This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. And a wonderful Erev Shabbos to all of you. Great to be here. Great to be with you. Everybody, I'm sure, after this wonderful month of Tishrei, is somewhat exhausted, but more so exhilarated, picked up. Everybody has gone through a wonderful month of so many different beautiful festivals, beginning with Rosh Hashanah, culminating with the all-inspiring, exciting Simchat Torah. Each and every one of the festivals commemorated in its own special way, in its own unique way, each and every one of them talking to different dimensions of our intellect, emotion, and neshama, and spirit, each one of these festivals having a special message talking to us about the idea of return, the idea of monarchy, the idea of joy, intense joy, all of which makes up the entirety of the human experience. When we think about this particular month, a month that is laden with these incredible moments, incredible days, one coming after the other, one leading up to the next, each and every one of them talks to us in a very special sort of way. And this is why, even though we might be somewhat exhausted, tired, of course it's a tiring month, but nonetheless elevated, exhilarated, each and every one of us coming to a new and greater level of understanding ourselves, understanding our relationship with God, understanding our purpose in the world, understanding what in fact it means to be an individual that God has chosen to create his dwelling place here below. And this is why this Shabbat, it's not over. It's Shabbat Bereshit. We continue with the month of Tishrei, the festivity of Tishrei, even though it's Shabbos Mevarchim, Cheshvan, even though we are now blessing the new month of Cheshvan, nonetheless, Shabbat Bereshit, Shabbos Bereshit is a continuation of that which came before. And it comes to us in a very special sort of way because it talks to us about how to take all these experiences and internalize them, bring them into a consciousness of self where we know what we have done, where we understand the effect that it has upon us and what we have to do throughout the year. And Shabbos Bereshit is, of course, so cold because, again, we begin reading the Torah, the book of Genesis, the Parsha of Bereshit. But nonetheless, we already did that to a certain degree on Simcha Torah. This is the Shabbos that we read the entire Parsha, the entire Parsha, which reads in so many interesting, fascinating ways, telling us stories, talking to us on so many different levels. But Shabbos Bereshit, of course, is the time that each and every one of us must, should, Take the experiences of this month and use these days to bring them into a practical, internalized process. And this is what Shabbat Bereshit does to us. It brings these things into a new beginning. Each and every one of us, having gone through those experiences, can now say we are ready to start the year with a new beginning. So many elements have touched us. So many elements talk to us, talk to our soul, talk to our heart, talk to our mind, talk to our body. The incredible moments of this month, each and every one of them, talks to us in different ways. Now it's time to reflect upon them. Now it's time to take them. Now it's time to 
Put them to good use. We have done what we had to do during this month. We have fulfilled the incredible range of mitzvot, of divine commandments this month. Now it's time to take the energy that that has produced, created within us, and to use it correctly. Because as we face the year, it's a year of challenges. Every single year brings its own challenges. Challenges, of course, are important elements to life. Without challenges, we don't grow. Without challenges, we don't somehow bring out the potential, the inner dimension of who we are. Challenges in fact, are absolutely necessary for the growth and development of the person. And this is why in order for us to meet those challenges, we take the energies, we take the strength, we take the newness that was given to us, implanted within us during this month, and we use it in a practical and powerful sort of way. A person can think to himself, I've just come from a month of incredible, incredible intensity, intensity on so many different levels. And yet, how am I going to re-enter the world with, well, a sense of darkness? After all, the world itself is olam, comes from the word helen, which means hiddenness or distortion. I'm going into a world which is not clear. I'm going into a world where things aren't as obvious as I would like them to be. I'm going into a world, as I said before, of challenge, certain elements of doubt. How am I possibly going to cope within that reality. And of course, this entire month now comes into sharp focus. The Shabbos, Shabbos Bereshis, we use the energy, we take a look at Torah, we begin to read it anew, and somehow we begin to understand and feel that, yes, we have the ability, we have the capacity to go forward in a powerful and strong way. We are going to meet those challenges because as we go through the Parsha, as we begin to read the Parsha of Bereshis, the book of Bereshis, we begin to see how each and every one of those stories that we are told talks to us, again, in a particular sort of way. It gives us the ability to understand ourselves by understanding the behavior of those individuals who were there at the early moments of creation. Stories which are fascinating, stories which are troubling, stories which are somewhat confusing, stories which talk to us. And we have to see within ourselves these absolute elements that make up our total personality. In order for us to understand ourselves, it's necessary from time to time to objectify ourselves by looking at others, particularly great individuals who have done important things, perhaps made some mistakes as well, but by understanding their behavior, understanding what motivated them to do what they did, when we take a look at the stories in the Parsha of Bereshis, within the entire book of Bereshis, we are given, we are privileged by being given the incredible insights into human interaction into human interaction, man with fellow man, man with creation, man with God. Each and every one of those elements talks to us in a particular sort of way. Each and one of those characters talk to us. Each and one of those characters have tremendous, tremendous strengths, tremendous, tremendous abilities, and perhaps certain weaknesses as well. 
Well, certainly at the outset, as we read the stories in the book of Bereshus, we see them as weaknesses. But as we begin to investigate and begin to analyze those stories, those ideas, beginning with Bereshus, we begin to see a whole different picture, how people are trying to fulfill a particular purpose in the world. And what is that purpose? The purpose of creation. And what's the purpose of creation? Where God says, I want man to build for me a dwelling place here below. God, infinite God, creator of heaven and earth, says something which is quite puzzling. Why would God want man, who is a limited creature, to create a world home for him? And yet this is precisely what our sages tell us, is the purpose of creation to make a below yitbarech betachtonim, to create a world, a dwelling place here below. More of that soon. This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. We're talking about the idea of how man here below is able to create a dwelling place for God and how, in fact, we see it within this Parsha of Bereshus, the opening Parsha of the Torah, that we begin reading anew this Shabbos. We finish the entire Torah and Sabbat Torah. We listen to the blessings that Moshe gives each and every single tribe. We grieve with the people when we see that Moshe has to physically leave this world, and we immediately begin reading Bereshit again. This cycle, this eternal ongoing cycle, it ends but it doesn't end. Every ending has a beginning and therefore we go through the cycle again and one wonders why. After all, we've studied this for thousands of years, perhaps personally for dozens of years, for some years, but the fact is is that people, we have been reading and studying the Torah for thousands of years. What's the purpose of going through the entire Torah again and again and again? Our sages tell us something quite fascinating. It says, Beis Reishis, the word Bereshis can be read as Bet Reishis, two beginnings or two firsts. And what are those two firsts? One is the Torah, which is considered a first, and the second are the Jewish people that are considered a first. In other words, for us to understand the purpose of this book, Bereshis, which deals with creation, etc., we have to understand that we are talking about two vital elements within creation that plays a huge huge significant role in fulfilling and making us understand the purpose of creation and enabling us to fulfill the purpose of creation. Number one is Torah. Number two, the Jewish people. And the Jewish people and the Torah are linked together infinitely as well. Each and every single word of Torah touches the very essence of each and every single Jew. The Jews stood at Sinai, the Jews received the Torah from God. The Jews lived the Torah throughout all these ages. We have lived again and again and again with the strength, the power, and the truth of Torah. And Torah is a guide, a lesson. It teaches us how to behave. It tells us what we have to do. But it goes beyond that as well. Says our sages tell us that the Torah was the blueprint of the world. In other words, in order for us to understand the world, in order for us to understand creation, we look at the divine blueprint, the divine blueprint, which is Torah. Each and every single aspect of Torah, in a sense, defines, describes, makes us understand elements of creation. After all, creation is something which is so difficult for us to fathom, for us to understand. Creation, divine creation, bringing 
yesh miyayin, something from nothing, and not nothing in the sense that we understand nothing. We have no concept of what real nothing is, but from the ultimate nothingness, bringing a physical world with its incredible systematic organization, the world that we live in. And in order for us to understand it, how to deal with it, how to ensure that creation progresses in a powerful and positive way, how we, as the Jewish people, are able to contribute whatever it is that we have to do in order to make sure that creation is fulfilled. We have to look into the Torah. Bet Reshit, there are two firsts, the first of Torah and the first of the Jewish people, how these two vital elements come together and bring about an energy, a strength that makes us understand the world, makes us live in this world correctly, and makes this world a dwelling place for God himself, how limited man, using the infinity of Torah, the eternal dimension of Torah, the divine wisdom of Torah, using the strength of his soul and the energy that he receives through the various mitzvot that he fulfills through the study of Torah, we are given that power to make this physical world a divine dwelling place, a dwelling place for God himself. But let's take a look at the Parsha, how it begins, and some of the stories, because after all, the Parsha of Bereshus is so full, it would take, well, more than one hour to talk about this entire Parsha, but each and every single element of this Parsha is so full of meaning, of substance, of direction, of insight. But we are going to concentrate on one and two points so that we can use this Parsha as something which will enable us to continue and to fulfill our duties, our privileged duties, in the most powerful and beneficial manner. Parsha begins by Bereshit Bara, in the beginning God created. Now, that's a very powerful statement, a powerful statement because creation, bringing something from nothing, is only possible within the hands of God himself. Only God himself, God Almighty, is able to bring about this incredible phenomenon known as creation. I know many of you are going to argue, what about evolution, what about the Big Bang, what about this, what about that, what about the other? I'm not going to go into that argument right now, but just to say that there is no conflict between Torah and science. And if, in fact, some people do see a conflict, it's not because there is a conflict, but because either they don't fully understand what Torah is saying, they don't fully understand what the science is saying, and not only that, but science is in its early stages of development. Every couple of decades, new insights, what people believed from a scientific point of view a hundred years ago is radically different than what people accept today. I'm talking about serious scientists. And we talk about the theory of evolution. The theory of evolution has gone through so many changes, and there are so many elements within that theory which basically are, well, statements of belief rather than statements of scientific fact. But the point is, Bereshit bara, there was a beginning. It wasn't always here world as we know it. When I speak about the world, I'm speaking about the entire universe and beyond. Anything that is, anything that exists, anything that is in a state of being as we understand being, and even elements that we don't understand, was brought into existence by God himself at the time of creation. In other words, what the Torah is establishing right at the beginning of this Parsha is that there is a master 
to this world, a creator of heaven and earth. It just didn't accidentally come into being. Accidentally coming into being is radically stupid. The point of creation is that God himself, master of heaven and earth, creator of heaven and earth, brought it into being. And this is why it's not only bringing the world into being, but God in his infinite divine wisdom had a purpose for bringing this world. This world, this creation, this whole existence that we seem to take for granted has a divine core and source. And this is why it's important to understand what does beginning mean? What happened before the beginning? Before the beginning, there was no beginning. There was no time. It didn't always exist. Time and space are creations of God. The initial, I call them the building blocks of creation where God brought these elements into being. And within this incredible structure of time and space that he brought into being, he created a world for six days, six days, each and every single day, a different dimension, a different element, a different personality of the world was brought into being, heaven, earth, the various elements that we have, vegetation, animals, and ultimately, of course, man. Anything that we see and we take for granted is something which cannot and should not be taken for granted. It wasn't always here. And as the uh, Rabbi Schneer Zalman of Liadi, the author of the Tanya, explained, based upon the teaching of the Baal Shem Tov, creation is an ongoing process. It continues. Every single instant the world is brought into being with a divine purpose. And this is why the idea of divine providence is so real because God is continually looking after this creation and bringing it into being at every single instance. But, you know, we take things for granted, something that we see every single day. We no longer see the miracle. We no longer see the magic. We no longer see the wow of something. You know, once something happens, it's like fireworks. I often give the example of fireworks. We see these incredible displays of color, of sound, of shape, beautiful color work. But can you imagine the same color work again and again and again after a few moments, we'd lose interest. We take it for granted. We become bored with it. The fact that the sun comes up and the sun goes down and this incredible cycle of the year, incredible cycle of the day, the incredible cycle of the moment, a miracle within miracles, we don't see the miracle because it happens on a daily basis. And because it happens on a daily basis, we take it for granted. We become bored with the majesty of it. We become bored with the miracle of it. And we take it for granted, well, it's just there because it's there. But we have to stand aside sometimes, objectify that creation, look at ourselves in relationship to it, to study those elements of Torah which gives us an insight and understanding of what in, take is, in fact is taking place. Bereshit bara, in the beginning, there was God who created the world. And initially there was tohu vavohu, there was a confusion of sorts. It was not as clear as we have it perhaps. And I use that word clear in relationship to our perspective to our understanding of clear, how the world became the world that we understand each and every single day. Another dimension of creation is brought into being. Bereshit bara, the miracle, the majesty, the greatness of existence happened at a moment, happened that moment that God created the moment 
time and space within which he brings the world into being. And that's how the Torah begins. The Torah begins by establishing God as master of this world. And this is why no matter who comes along with all sorts of strange arguments, whether they be political arguments or arguments of faith or arguments of any type of argument, God establishes right at the beginning of our Torah who is the boss of this world, who is creator of heaven and earth, who brought it into being, and why it's so important. And we go on to the story of, well, Adam and Eve, different elements of the story of Adam and Eve. Because after all, if God brought the world into being and the world has this divine plan and purpose and everything is organized by God himself, then what is the purpose of man? What do we learn from the story of Adam and Eve? Well, yes, we know they made a mistake by eating of the fruit of knowledge of right and wrong. However, it's important for us to understand that this story basically talks to us about choice. And this is the incredible miracle of the synthesis between creation and choice. One would think that one doesn't have a choice. After all, God is master of heaven and earth. He brought everything into being. Everything is structured according to his divine will. No. Man has the power of choice. And the choice can result in incredible blessing, bringing about tremendous positive change into this beautiful world that God created. And God forbid, as a result of negative choices, one is able to bring darkness, confusion, terrible things into this world. The power of the human choice is quite incredible. And this is established right at the beginning of Torah, the mastership of God's world. God owns this world. God creates this world. He constantly recreates this world. And in this world, even though he constantly recreates it, and there is divine providence, nonetheless, the power of choice of the individual, the Jew who has koach ha is incredibly important and something that we have to understand within that context. How do the two coexist? But more of that soon. This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. We're talking about the incredible relationship between God and man. God brings this world into being. God continues to bring the world into being. God constantly recreates the world. God is master of heaven and earth. There is divine providence where God leads each and every single step of the way. But at the same time, the power of the individual that has pchira, choice, free choice, to act in any way he so desires, he so chooses. And this is the story that we see with Adam and Eve, Adam and Chava. God tells them not to eat from the fruit of the tree of knowledge, and yet they do. They disobey. And as a result of that terrible error, they are banished from the Garden of Eden, from paradise, and have to live in a world of darkness. The world that God created was a magnificent, beautiful world where everything functioned just right. Man could have lived there forever. Man and all his descendants could have lived there forever. But no, man, as a result of whatever it was, wanted to exercise choice. And in exercising choice, he created a certain amount of chaos. In other words, even though God runs this world, God is master of this world, individual through choice has the power to bring it into greater purpose or, God forbid, bring it into chaos. God encourages and creates man in such a way that man is a partner within creation. And then we come across the story of Cain and Abel, Cain and Hevel, where each one of them brings an offering to God. 
Each one of them brings a sacrifice to God, and God accepts the offering of Hevel. He doesn't accept the offering of Cain. And Cain is infuriated with this. He turns to his brother, and he kills his brother. A story that has so many different interpretations, a story that is so difficult to understand, a story that basically is misunderstood by and large. Here are two brothers. They are going to inherit the entire world. What are they fighting about? And our sages explain precisely what, in fact, that battle is all about. Both of them accept God. Both of them are bringing an offering to God. Both of them acknowledge that God is creator of heaven and earth. But there's a fundamental difference between the philosophy of Cain and the philosophy of Abel. Hevel, Abel, believes that not only God creates the world, but he continues to create the world. He continues to run this world. God is the ultimate judge of this world and looks at the actions of each and every single individual and judges them accordingly. Abel believes that not only did God bring this world into being, but God in his infinite greatness has the capacity of looking at each and every single detail of his creation and to judge it, to act accordingly, to deal with it on a very specific time and space related manner. Whereas Cain says, no, God created this world, but then he gave it to us human beings to run, to control. It's up to us to, in fact, institute whatever type of laws we want to. All laws are man-made. All behavior is as a result of human choices within limited human condition. And the basic argument between Cain and Abel is that Abel said, yesh din yesh dayan. There is justice and there is a judge. And Cain said, less din less dayan. There is no judges justice and there is no judge. God is too busy. God is too big to deal with the minutiae, with the insignificant minutiae of the world. And this is the basis of their argument. Now, as we take these three elements, creation, choice, and understanding the presence of God within the creation that he brought into being, we begin to see a picture of how, in fact, we have to relate to the world. The very beginning, of course, is God as creator, God as master of this world, God who brings everything into being. Everything has a purpose. Everything has a place. Everything has a divine reason. God simply didn't snap his finger, so to speak, and bring things into being. Every single element of creation is orderly. Every single element of creation is done in a precise and powerful and proper manner. Each and every single element of creation, the heavens, the earth, the various elements, fire, water, earth, wind, each and every single one of these elements has an incredible purpose. Ultimately, each and every single molecule, each and every single atom within creation has a very real purpose. Where does man fit in? Man has the power of choice. Man is able to take that incredible, organized, magnificent world that God brings into being, and he's able to elevate it to a higher level. He's able to add value to the creation that God brought into being. By man fulfilling the will of God, by man fulfilling that which God wants him to do, he takes this incredible creation that God brought into being and makes it so much better. Stop for a moment and consider 
that concept, that a human being, man, is able to take that which God himself made and add value, bring it into a higher level. How does he do this? Of course, by looking into Torah. Torah, which is the wisdom of God. Torah, which is the blueprint of creation. Torah, which in fact tells us precisely what should and should not be done. And it tells us how to do these things correctly. Enables us, gives us the power, gives us the energy, gives us the wisdom to bring this world into a higher level. Or God forbid, if a person chooses to disregard the word of Torah, he chooses to disregard the blueprint of creation and to act in whatever way he wants to behave, then he will bring chaos and confusion. Imagine a person who's building a magnificent home and chooses not to look at the drawings of the architect who spent months and months and months designing this incredible edifice. And instead of putting a wall here, he takes a wall away and putting a beam and putting a pillar, whatever the case might be. That house is going to fall apart probably. That house is going to fall down. That house has no, it certainly doesn't have the capacity of ultimately displaying the beauty and the greatness that the architect had in mind. God is architect and builder of this world told us that this is the blueprint for the world. And if you follow the blueprint, you will see incredible results. And where do we see that played out in the story of Cain and Abel? What's their argument? Abel says God created the world. God continues to create the world. God is master of this world. God is the ultimate judge, and there is a divine justice in this world by which we have to live. And Cain says, of course I accept God exists. I accept that God created the world, but God cannot be bothered by what happens in this little small world of his. And in a moment of anger and rage, in order to show that his viewpoint is the correct viewpoint, what does he do? He kills his own brother. Not only does he, re- does he have a difference with his brother in matters of philosophy and faith, but ultimately in terms of behavior, because if there is no judge and there is no justice, you can and will do whatever you want. You will behave in a violent sort of manner. You will take your brother's life, as we have seen throughout history again and again and again, where nations, individuals who don't have an understanding of applied faith on a constant basis behave in the most brutal and violent manner. And this is how this Parsha begins. Before we get into the specific laws of Torah, before we begin to understand what in fact Torah is all about the five books of Moses, we have to understand, we have to develop a deep sense of faith that God is creator of heaven and earth. We have to understand our own power, our own strength, the power of our choice. And we have to understand as well, does God exist within the creation that he brought into being? And therefore we are obligated, obliged to live by his law, or can we disregard that? And these are the three stories, the story of creation, the story of Adam and Eve, the story of Cain and Abel. It's a long Parsha. It's a complicated Parsha. It's a difficult Parsha. But tomorrow in Shul, when you have the opportunity, listen. Try and read some of those stories, the ones that I mentioned, the other stories, each and every one of them, a fascinating tale, but not only a fascinating tale, with a message. There's something there that teaches us how to behave and act correctly.
So use this Parsha correctly if you have the time to read it. There are so many wonderful translations of the Torah today with good commentaries. Take the time and read this Parsha again and again and again. You might not understand it fully at the first time. You might not understand it fully at the hundredth time, but you will each and every single time see incredible and beautiful insight, incredible and beautiful lessons for yourself, for your life. Use it correctly. Listen to the Torah correctly. Good Shabbos.